shit <laughs> we've done it here we've we are done it oh my god hi stephanie hi elena how Oof. are you in this new year i don't know i don't know i'm in recovery same same oh my god <laughs> we've done oh it oh my god another shitty year ahead yay anyways I'm very optimistic new year different different uh new year same 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 political nonsense right yeah all right right, well i'm already tired i uh, (laughs) it's fine how about i know we made a promise that uh we would stop talking about communism for a while but how about instead we talk about communism to overcome the uh, other overwhelming emotions that we feel on a regular daily basis? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I already felt bad. What's more feeling bad? Just, That's right. That's the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Stephanie. And I'm Elena. And this is Bet You Wish This Was an Art Podcast. 2021. Woo! And today <laughs> we're talking about the graphic, graphic design. design. Sorry, yeah. go, you go you first. Go you go first, because <laughs> then it makes it seem like we're we're parroting off each other, and it's kind of fun. It's got some fun, crazy, silly energy. These kinds of things get edited out for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> but today we're talking about graphic design and propaganda. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Our first design episode. I'm so keen. This will yeah. be very exciting. That's very exciting indeed. By exciting, I also do mean exhausting because Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, 100% exhausting AF. (laughs) How many more bold letters can you put on a poster? Come on, guys. Come on. Oh my God. What are the two articles we read this week? Yeah, because this episode is our article episode. Article discussion episode. So... The first one we read is from the creativemarket.com and it's called uh, Propaganda Graphic Design History and Inspiring Examples by Mark Schenker. And it was put out in 2018 and it's very cool, very like easy to understand propaganda basics that you need to know. <laughs> And and the other one is a bit more complex because it's actually a book. It's a book chapter that's available online uh, on guilty-noven.blogspot.com. All this will be in the links. It's basically uh, giddy, not guilty. 
It's basically a book called A History of Graphic Design that is like an online textbook. One of the chapters, chapter 29, is about propaganda posters and it's very history-based and very descriptive and has a lot of examples of A lot of examples. Posters. Yes. Both of them do. Both of these articles do. So definitely go check them out because you're going to need to see what we're talking about as well to get the full effect. But yeah, they'll be in the on the website in the notes section of this episode. <laughs> yeah. As well as on our link tree and Instagram. I know that this is cliche, but because I'm sure we're all experiencing both alcoholic-based and also timely-based hangovers, let's just quickly define propaganda, which is the systematic propagation of official government policies through manipulative communications to the public. The propaganda may provide true or false information, but the information is selectively presented in a provoking style to have its maximum emotional effect. Propaganda itself has existed forever, as long as communication has been a thing. Essentially. But the the heyday, the quote-unquote heyday of the propaganda poster uh, starts and almost ends in the 20th century uh, as a response to World War I and then developing for World War II. Shocking. Ends, though? Does it end? Has it ever ended? Well, we've moved past the poster. Well, yeah. Now we have websites and online activities. And and Twitter. Essentially. (laughs) (laughs) Propaganda imagery is every day in everything. And some people just call it marketing. Other people call it what it is. But that's fine. Uh, I was just going to say that like every marketing tactic is somewhat like connected to propaganda in their own way. (laughs) In in the sense that it's manipulation. (laughs) Yeah. Capitalism. You know. You know. (laughs) You know, war, <laughs> politics, uh, yeah. a certain presidency that lasted for too long, you know. Too fucking long. But it was especially seen during World Wars One and Two, and in, alongside the rise of totalitarian regimes in the 20th century, propaganda uh, graphic designs are usually like political in nature. Uh, (laughs) shocking and they depict people's concepts goals that are heavily idealized the nazi propaganda is probably the most like depending on who you talk to nazi propaganda is very prominent because you do have like you know swastikas and and essentially uh a brand that you can carry forward uh with its well and its various merch same with communism with their uh, hammer and sickle. Oh yeah, that popular. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that popular symbol. Yep. And Franco had his series of like the perfect family uh, imagery, but the U.S. also had a. I mean, <laughs> Norman Rockwell, famous American illustrator, Norman Rockwell, uh, is famous for his propaganda posters. Yeah. Rosie the Riveter, for example, is a propaganda poster. I think everything you see now that's like that's like old timey posters, everything uh is propaganda. <laughs> Just you know, if it if it survived this long, yeah. It's, it's probably propaganda. <laughs> yeah. Basically. 
a lot of the there's this one Instagram page that uh, twists these old types of posters and makes them like more relatable to us today. Uh, and it's like of these, I don't know how to describe that style, like these comic style women who are like, oh, my husband isn't home. I'm going to, I don't know, bake a cake, something like that. <laughs> I'm going to link it pro if I find it because I, I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, it's basically utilized now today as well, but more in comic sense, those kinds of old ones. Though there's plenty of new ones as well. I mean, propaganda art is essentially has a second name and it's called heroic realism. And that describes it very well <laughs> in the sense yeah. that essentially you're, as a designer, you are making up this uh, story that you want to get, uh, like, the public to see and once they see it be like want to strive towards it kind of and want to make this emotional effect on them in order to instill this awe and this need to either participate or uh, or do as the poster is telling you mm -hmm. and the this kind of thing later bleeds into marketing as well now is what we see in all marketing is practically the same they want you to buy the product here's the reasons why you get like oh i have to have this product well and like the articles we read were also very insistent on uh propaganda posters were also created to raise funds for the war effort yeah so marketing companies today are just taking a page out of the history book <laughs> Yeah. Give me money. Money, please. <laughs> money, please. Do we have to make our own propaganda posters? Elena, hmm. I'm ready to go down this path with you. Uh, I, I I would do that. <laughs> oh, my God. Lindsay! <laughs> <laughs> it's all going to be around uh, bet, bet you wish kind of thing. <laughs> bet you wish, yeah. Bet, bet you wish you had access to an art history podcast right now. A... Bet you wish things were better, huh? Go listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> For the sake of glory, God, and country, listen to Bet You Wish This Was an Art podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Defeat the Nazis. Listen to podcasts. <laughs> that could be fun. Could be fun. As we personally burn down Joe Rogan's podcast. Leave that out. <laughs> Leave that in. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> But essentially, 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 uh, besides like, no matter what party you belong to, the war machine, the coffers, your, your bankroll, your economic standpoint needs to keep going. Yeah. And so using propaganda to promote things like war bonds, for example, or to volunteer or to conserve fuel. It encourages and pushes citizens to lean into nationalistic tendencies and to grow comforted in this notion that we are, quote unquote, all together in this, mm -hmm. whatever this is, <laughs> be it war or water conserving or um, recycling 
or going to Disney. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's all about like showcasing patriotism, essentially. Yeah. And if you, for example, were exposed to these kinds of posters that the that the people during the first world war and the second world war were exposed to you got the sense that you had to contribute to the war effort that was what was being fed to you and mm-hmm. uh as we know we're all very susceptible to 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 going along with the flow kind of and when the flow is very very definitively uh, directed towards you helping out the war volunteering or going or enlisting or giving money to them you're gonna be like okay i guess that's what i'll do because i don't want to be like an outcast i want to be like helping (laughs) in some way i mean of Mm -hmm. course there there were people who protested against this and saw that it was blatant manipulation but uh, most of the people fell for it, and we. I fall it every day. I, I fall for it every day. Now that I see like Instagram giving me like uh, an uh, an ad for I don't know something I completely don't need, and I'm like, huh, maybe I do need this. <laughs> it's 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 uh, subliminal messaging. It's kind of very subtle, but also not very subtle when it comes to these posters. <laughs> We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Yeah, honestly, though. (laughs) Um, But there are general, like, qualities that encompass these propaganda posters from way back when. And some of them are still very prominent today and still are used in different types of, like, not per se propaganda, but taken as symbols of a, of, of, of a certain movement or something like that. For example, there are uprising symbols, which are essentially one of the most well-known symbols for us. When we look at it, we know that what this sign means and what it is directing us towards, kind of. Yeah. Um, from, like... It essentially is the image of a fist raised, and sometimes this fist is holding something, or sometimes it's not holding anything. We see these symbols in communism. We see these symbols later on in different movements like that we have followed also. And well, like Black Pride specifically. Yeah. It's and definitely, you see the Black Fist used a lot in the Black Panthers. It was recently co-opted by Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And it helps to, you know, create that resistance yeah. imagery. It's a very, uh, like I said, recognizable. Everyone knows what it what it means. And it's easy to stand behind because it's so easily digestible and understandable to all of us. And it is a good graphic design tactic to get you in, get you to support something. Another thing that is very prominent and was very popular, I think still is in some, some uh, aspects is the pointing mm-hmm. finger. Oh yeah. 
Uh, which is essentially just like the right hand with its index finger pointing at the person yes. who's looking at the poster. Yeah. Like that nice little fourth wall break of the uh, art interacting with the viewer in a very direct manner. Yeah. Um, most popular design with this is probably uh, the American Uncle Sam. Yeah. Uh, where the old man with white hair and red, white, and blue clothing uh, is supposed to represent the United States government. Yeah. And it's kind of this nice idea of um, an emotive and direct message where the U.S. government is trying to make a patriotic appeal to the cause of nationalism and pride, specifically to anyone who listen, but even beyond that, to the youth who can actually go and fight, who need to be drummed up to go to war if they've not cough already been drafted to go to war. Cough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, there are two, two things I want to say about the Uncle Sam poster. Do it. One is that the graphic designers who kind of fueled this uh, this machine uh this war machine including the person who created uncle sam james montgomery flag uh were so uh stricken with remorse after the war and Mm -hmm. uh flag even went on to say quote a number of us who were too old were too scared to fight prostituted our talents by making posters and inciting a large mob of young men, young men who had never done anything to us to hop over and get shot at. We sold the war to youth. Yeah. That's essentially what was going on at the time. They were selling war. They were, they were also selling this idea of the ideal woman, they were selling oh, the God. idea of sacrificing your children to war. It's it's a whole thing. <laughs> they were uh, demonstrating what democracy, quote unquote, looks like. Yeah. And, and how that is supposed to be the end all be all. And how, you know, the American way or the highway situation. <laughs> and yeah. how you should be grateful and proud to be an American. <sighs> <laughs> another, but I, thing, but I mean, another thing but I, I mean, want to say about Uncle Sam, though, uh-huh. is that the scene from Across the Universe, Ooh. when they say, when they sing I Want You by the Beatles, and the Uncle Sam poster points to the character, at the character who, who is like looking at it directly, and then picks mm-hmm. him up, and it's like, oh, just, I love that scene so much (laughs) go watch it if you haven't seen it i don't remember this i might have to rewatch it (laughs) you have to rewatch it it's the best like the whole sequence the song sequence is just chef's kiss (laughs) it's amazing cinematography poetic cinema to to return to your concept though of uh the ideal woman, quote yeah. unquote. I like how, despite the fact that they're supposed to be very, well, the values and the morals of these women are supposed to be very different. But during World War II, 
especially, like towards the end of World War II, mm. when we were also slowly trying to engage in the Cold War. Yeah. <laughs> like we no longer trust the Soviets, even though we've been fighting with them for a couple of years now. So <laughs> commie's bad. <laughs> um, the portrayed woman is almost universally the same. Uh, Soviet posters depict them, you know, in a slightly, quote-unquote, more equal role to their male counterparts. Yeah. Uh. But you're still, you know, encouraged to be the mother, the supporter, the the house, well, less the housewife, but, but definitely falling heavily on the heavily gendered stereotypes of, like, what is a woman's place. Yeah. Um, even in this, like, utopia, well, this utopian concept of everyone is equal all the time, uh, Soviet women are still depicted with the gender inequality. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, and it wasn't as aggressive, like, as an American or even a Nazi Germany depiction of women of, like, housewife and mother, where it is your role, but... <laughs> with com- with communist uh, propaganda surrounding women... It showed one thing, and then it was a whole other thing in reality. That's yeah. Statistically, when you look at like how life was for the women at the time when they were supposed to be or shown to be equals of the men, it wasn't good. It, it was bad, and maybe even worse. <laughs> I would say quite worse than what the U.S. was putting out sure because i mean in communism you do what you are told and you can't deviate from it otherwise you'll probably be shot kind of mentality was very prominent and yeah it wasn't as good as in the posters (laughs) that's another thing the posters were very idealized oh heavily 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 Let's go back to let's go back to the the Counter Reformation. Let's go back to <laughs> it's it's never as good as it looks in the posters. Um, both co- <laughs> both communism and Nazism, uh, they used this like idealized heroic people, like presented people mostly men who were like buff and uh, thin and good looking and white <laughs> whoa and uh <laughs> i'm just saying the facts here did you imagine <laughs> this person was supposed to be what you wanted to be and what you had to be and uh, this person was uh, larger than life and this person was yeah, just the ideal man. And also think back to then how uh, models are produ- like are, uh, are presented now mm-hmm. or how uh, Instagram is so effective. Hot take. We love the gram, don't <laughs> get us wrong. But like that, that level of idealized, stylized, um, curated imagery is so effective in making other people feel like that is the end all be all, Mm -hmm. which just makes it very effective propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's bad. 
it went so far as to create an entire art style to, yeah. to fit their mold, which is the socialist realism style of art and design. It was supposed to be... Well, f- first of all, the name itself is flawed because it's not realistic. <laughs> socialist <laughs> realism is not realistic. It's idealized. Well, sh- shocking. <laughs> shocking. <laughs> shocking. Um, yeah. But it's it's just something that has dominated the art world of that time. And even like now, I've seen so A many A little bit them. now, but not quite. Not in the same way. Yeah. Not in the same way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shoot me now, please. Think. Let's get into it. <laughs> to get into the history of these propaganda design posters during the World War One, each country was putting out, started putting out these posters and. And each of them kind of had the same messaging, but directed to themselves, of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. Like the British uh, put, uh, like, had their own, like, British War Propaganda Bureau, uh, or otherwise known as the Wellington House. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was established in 1914. And they basically put out these posters and, like, tried to come up with the best kind of poster that would get the most people to support them. Popular posters from these included, uh, Is your home worth fighting for? It will be too late to fight when the enemy is at your door. Or, remember Belgium. Enlist today. And Fuck Belgium. And it... It's... And it's... <laughs> This soldier, and then the backdrop is this ruined city, or like uh, the city on fire. And it's like supposed to make you want to fight. Well, and it does. It absolutely does. Because depending on how separated you are from the... Think about uh, British and American war posters. While Britain eventually did see the war firsthand because of the countless bombings it, it you know it endured the, a lot of the early posters is this idealized landscape of war yeah. not a real landscape of mm. war the tone of their posters you know shifts dramatically once you go from having been bombed like before having been bombed to after having been bombed and the the tone no longer has to be so whimsical and so dramatic, like um, dramatized, mm-hmm. because you know it. Whereas American posters almost stay that playful, whimsical, dramatic style for the entire war. And then deep into World War II, it's just, oh, hee hee, war guys. Don't you want to go? Don't you want to die? I mean, there oh, were God. there are a few things to say about this is that this was the first big world war. People had been living in relative peace before that relative, I say. Mm-hmm. 
And it was more like no one really knew the horrors of war yet to the extent to see how bad it would be to to join the army or how traumatizing it would be or how, yeah, just how it would be. I think with the U.S. that and uh, the U.K., they utilized that and showed showed it in a way that they could make it something heroic to do. And later on in the Second World War, when people already know what war is like, where we already have uh, like war veterans and like people who have had their lives taken away from them, either literally or or very close to it, we already have all these examples. So we have to change the tactic a bit. Uh, so we mm-hmm. have to make it still something like enticing that you have to do for your country, but don't sell it as something that will be like amazing adventure. Let's sell it more as you have to do this in order to keep your loved ones alive kind of thing. Uh, You have to sacrifice yourself to it. Screaming. (laughs) It's fun. (laughs) And all of this plays into everything they do with their posters. All of the, all of the uh, relatability they put into it. Something that you like see in your own life and uh you you put these things on like bright colors and like these uh serifs that are very like enticing and very like demanding and must be looked at and read and all of this kind of plays into your emotions and it's amazing that art because this is art can mm-hmm be used in a way to warp your mind in this sense and can be used in a way to to change or to persuade you to to go to war to to join the army and think that oh this is an amazing thing i'm doing yeah when war is shit and we all know this It's not good and it's all bad, but yeah. we've made it so sexy. That's kind of the idea yeah. is that it's supposed to be a noble thing that you go off and do. It's supposed to be the <sighs> thing you do. Yeah. We could get into how the uh, prison industrial complex and the military complex and the American need for... Uh, wow, where'd the word go? Imperialism. There you go. <laughs> How the American need for imperialism is a starving beast that has no end. But then our podcast would be canceled, so we can't talk about all that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> We're already walking the line. A very thin one. <laughs> a very thin one, as we don't really know what's going to happen nope. this year. So, no. Nope. Yeah. We're going to play it safe. We're just talking about Until the history I... of propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> It's fine. Past presidents. (laughs) Quick, let's go talk bad things about the communists. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Because, actually, that's not a terrible segue. Because if you think about the way that, like, um, 
the way that the Soviet Union then understands the value of propaganda to influence its citizens. They saw how how successful a book was, so why not just slap some pictures on it? (laughs) Essentially. You already killed your king god, why not? (laughs) Why not do more? Let's do more. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. Because of the fact that the Soviet Union understood how to manipulate the audience that looked at its oeuvre de work, it also has a chance of demonizing other political um, entanglements. Like, their work, uh, their, their, their posters that demonize Nazis are so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you're essentially being like, wow, fuck a Nazi. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Let's do it. Dragon, dragons with swastikas on them? Sign me the fuck up. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. They also use caricature and one of the one of the great examples other than the one that you said with the a dead dragon one. That's also amazing. Yeah, Uh, another one that's really, really good is the comrade Lenin cleanses the earth of filth. Ooh, yes. And that was at the beginning of like the communist uh, propaganda starting up, essentially. And it, it shows Lenin on top of a caricature of earth, like holding a broom and sweeping away like a priest, the the king. And someone else, I don't remember. Was it capitalism? Yeah, merchant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hate it because I'm Georgian, but that's a cool, cool poster. It's a great image. <laughs> it's a cool poster. <laughs> <laughs> but they have like a lot of these. Uh, well, later on, they also switch to very like idealist ones that we, we, if you've taken a single class in like communist related themes, you will have seen at least one of these po- uh, posters because they're they essentially give you on a silver silver platter what communism represented, and then later on, Nazi pop posters are very similar to communist posters, although they're like very. Like completely different spectrums, but they're very similar to each other because they're kind of communicating the same thing. It's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole damn thing. And you know what? They do it rather well. Yeah. Because... If we're being honest. And the Nazis, in the meantime, they... um Once they started, like, also in, in the beginning phases of getting into power, like... Coming across power, coming across, coming into power. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Hitler basically was very against the Kaiser Wilhelm II because he underestimated, quote unquote, the propaganda posters for the First World War. So Hitler Uh basically commissioned a book uh, that is like the the political uh, poster, t- titled The Political Poster. I'm not going to try to say the German name. Please don't make me. Uh, 
it was written by Aaron uh, Schockel, and it was uh, basically like a, a, a psychological detailing of each of uh, political posters made by the British, the Americans, the French, Russians, and Germans themselves as well during the First World War. Um, the Nazis were a bunch of fucking nerds. They were such fucking nerds. Oh like, God. role-playing, racist, <laughs> poster analyst nerds. Gosh. Just just worshipped weird rocks, believed in fake magic, yep. did bad things. Ter- definitely still, did bad things. <laughs> are still bad people. Yep. No good Nazis. No. Nope. This has been our TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming to oh it. Oh my god. <laughs> They're such fucking nerds because the whole thing, the whole thing is literally just a breakdown of like, oh, well, they must be simple. Every poster that has been effective must be simple and memorable and also anti-Semitic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <gasps> and this was not just this- one book. It was a whole series and pamphlets and manuals and they literally created a propaganda office (laughs) like several in different towns (laughs) oh my god oh my god and then there's yeah the ministry of propaganda and enlightenment like fuck them (laughs) fuck them fuck them because because you're still promoting this concept of like the master race so you have beautiful handsome blonde haired blue eyed children mostly children mm-hmm. running around being like we're the master race and everyone's like yeah yeah you are kids and it's like F- what stop it Gosh. jews are bad what are you talking about <laughs> no but the thing oh is my- people were like yes you're right i know i know this was still europe at the time <laughs> and probably still europe now if we're being perfectly honest but in a different way yeah history repeats itself you guys <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Any damn way. (laughs) (laughs) And then came the Cold War. Well, guess what? All of their nerdy fucking propaganda couldn't let the Nazis win a war. So you know what? Sucks. Let them die. (laughs) Let them die. Uh, Because while, while the Nazis failed in what... Hitler thought would be his end-all, be-all strategy, propaganda continued to play a huge role in the 20th century uh, long after 1945 Mm -hmm. with uh, the Cold War. Which was essentially a propaganda war. Was, just hands down, between all of our satellite wars and our, like, showcasing the belief that we are better than you. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> a lot of that was uh, done through propaganda. Most of it was done through propaganda. War that wasn't a war, but that was like comparing who can market themselves the best or who can convince the most people. Cold War is a phenomenon <laughs> in itself and it infuriates me. We might have to do a whole thing on. Cold War propaganda, no, whenever no you're feeling strong enough to talk please. about communism again. No. <laughs> but um, I will say that in 1948, though, the U.S. did pass 
the Smith-Month Act, which outlawed the domestic distribution of U.S. government materials intended for foreign audiences. Like, hey, we might be spreading misinformation, but we don't want to spread it to our own people. You know? You know? Yeah. It's like, we can lie to them, but we can't lie to us. (laughs) But literally, literally, spoonfuls, buckets, a a semi-truck's worth of anti-communist propaganda. There were posters, books, pamphlets, comics, radios, films, TV shows, anything that could market how bad the commies were made it through the uh, information agency. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my Christ Jesus. It's just frustrating because Uh. it, it really does emphasize like propaganda is a form of communication. And so when you use graphic design in its intended state, you are just furthering your communication. And we've seen you know, art and illustrations and symbols to support causes and countries and all sorts of frustrating things. Mm-hmm. So we here at BiWAP <laughs> want to help you harness the power of propaganda in your graphic design. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are there are many ways to to use or to use the ideas that they used in propaganda art back then into your graphic art now. This kind of leads us to another article that we have not mentioned yet that was posted on uh, designdaily.com. And it was uh, published by uh, Mirko Humbert. And he talks about what elements to take out of the propaganda art and make use of and to know that these things exist and that please don't use it maliciously. (laughs) Or do. We're not your mom. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Just just don't spread communism again, please think. Also don't spread bad rumor about BiWAP. (laughs) We are the best. We will see. One of the things was to uh, target areas of sensitivity. And uh, he talks about how uh, during the Second World War propaganda, there were uh, a lot of like uh, images of manliness, of, of nationalism, patriotism, and family. And these were the things that were kind of i would say the most important things at the time maybe even now i don't know do you care about your family (laughs) i mean you know yeah uh it's it's one of those things that the things that you would most readily protect yeah and while those propagandas were very like in your face and shoving it down your throat now we more respond better to a subtler subtle propaganda (laughs) or like subtle marketing (laughs) shall we change the name of of marketing to propaganda Hmm. honestly honestly Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. um and if targeting areas of sensitivity is a is too broad 
then just raise questions and and reiterate insecurity. Like hone in on what people are afraid of and then imply what you're trying to do will stop that impending doom. <laughs> Easy. Are you afraid of dying? Well, stick with me and you won't die. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> or play to egos. Mm. If you listen to this podcast, you will be the most amazing person in the entire world. So don't you want to be the most amazing person in the entire world? So you got to listen to this podcast. Uh, especially if we slap some good looking folks on the uh, cover art for this episode <laughs> so that the viewer can relate to or idealize the uh, person that they want to be. Yeah, it'll be fun. Mm. Fun. But most importantly, I think a nice, a nice little, a nice little way to to really draw the people in is to have a clear call to action. Because if the point of propaganda is to conceive people like what you want them to do for you, then you should just you know say it like listen to this podcast or buy war bonds or <laughs> water your lawn less in the summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or uh, vote for certain candidates or, you know, easy. Yeah. Defund the police, you know, simple things. <laughs> Indeed. Straightforward things. The thing we're trying to say with this whole episode is that graphic design in general, specifically in propaganda art, but also in general, plays a huge part in our, in our lives, especially today okay. when we're exposed to it. Every second of every day. Well, not maybe every second, but you know what I mean. But mo- <laughs> but like, if you have access to your phone, yeah, uh, like if right now, and you should because you're listening to a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, having access does mean that you are exposed to it. It's an important art medium that does not get enough respect because. Because people suck? No. <laughs> because it's much more new and much more... Uh, uh, well, it's it's di- it's a bit different than your classical art movements or mediums. Of course, with a- anything that's slightly different from the norm, we get a bit defensive. <laughs> or, like... We, I don't know where I'm going with the sentence anymore. (laughs) Propaganda bad, but effective. Yes, (laughs) essentially. And graphic design is important, and we'll talk about it more. (laughs) Fuck propaganda. (laughs) Fuck propaganda. Fuck communism. (laughs) Please don't make me talk about communism again in this year. (laughs) I'm going to have to make you. (laughs) (laughs) At least for not like at least a month, give me a break or two. But for all of that you do for me and this podcast and the year that we've had, I just want to say thank you, Elena, for doing this episode with me. Thank you too, Stephanie, for this episode and everything else as well. I can't wait to just do more and do better. New Year, new biwap. Oh my god, New Year, new biwap. <laughs> but for updates, newsletters, transcripts, blog posts. New Year's resolutions, and more. Head on over to our website at bywrpod.com. You can also find us at bywrpod on Instagram or at bywrpod on Twitter. And we also have an email, bywrpod at gmail.com. And of course, you can check us out on our Patreon. 
Patreon is the best way to support us if you like the work that we're doing here at BiWAP. Come say hi. <sighs> Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Please, for the love of God, just get through it, guys. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but it's okay. Just wash. Just wear the mask. <laughs> just wear the mask. And remember, <laughs> when in doubt, titty out. Beautiful. Happy Thank New you Year, guys. you guys. Happy New Year! Yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye!